you believe it this morning if I told you that some Christians had some misunderstandings and it still sort of affects us this day? Would that, would that be too big a surprise to you? Well, I can think of about 10 of those opportunities, but I'm going to spend the opportunity, I'm going to take today to drop a bomb on just one of them. Okay, are you ready? Grab hold of your chairs, okay? I know this is some of your private, personal stuff. But, these, but this one still affects us, infects us today, and I'm going to read from Matthew 5. I know it says in your bulletin that I'm in Matthew 14. I'm not. <laughs> We're in Matthew 5 today, and I'm at 5, verse 13. This is Jesus speaking, and I'm reading from the message. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt. Seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you'll end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors of the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket. I'm putting you on top of a light stand. Now that I put you up there on a hilltop and a light stand shines, keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Be opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous. Father. So here it is, salt and light, everyday items, something you don't even missing, you don't even figure out that they're missing until they're gone, and then you miss them terribly. In, in Colville, what did we have yesterday? We had no power in the morning, no lights. Otherwise, you just walk through the house and turn them on. Did you know that it's perfectly cap that you're perfectly capable of eating breakfast if the lights are not on? Most of us didn't know that. I ate breakfast out on the porch, enjoying this, the little sun filtered through the, the smoke. But here it is, that salt and light are simple. They do their job without fanfare. They're common, they're normal, just as we're called to be. But there was a misunderstanding in, in the, let's call these, Times, the times between Jesus and now, okay? But early on in that time, there came a translation of the Bible called the, uh, Jerome did it, it was the Latin Vulgate, and they just read the Latin Vulgate for about 500 years. They didn't pay a lot of attention to the Greek. They did keep it alive, even though they lost their ability to read it. But about seven, 800 years ago, they started looking in, in the Western world, that's Europe and you know, where, we, where we sort of think we come from, we don't. Most of us are North Americans. We don't think of ourselves as Europeans, do we? How many of you think of yourself as a European? Okay, so. Anyway, so, so they started looking into Koine Greek or New Testament Greek, and they started looking into it and they said, well, we're reading Homer, Thucydides, all these famous writers of the Greeks. And there's words here we don't know. 
but their culture told them about religion. And so their culture told them that only priests and monks and sisters, you know, the, the, the specialists, that only they were really able to do the Christian thing very well. That so much so that we do communion. Do you know that at that point in time, when they started looking at the Bible, that they would not have gone up for communion and gotten bread and wine. It was believed that only the priests were holy enough to take the wine. And so you'd get a little piece of bread and they'd drink the wine for you because you just couldn't do this thing quite well enough. And that is a preconception about the holy, about how dangerous the holy is and how difficult the holy path is. And, and suddenly you start feeling like maybe only superheroes can do it. right? Only the special, only the equipped, only the called, all that. Are you ready to get, get out your Superman thing? Only they can do it. But that is not, that is a misconception from this. But, when, but if you were raised in that culture where only the special could do Christianity right, and then you come into a language that you think you know, but it had, so here's the, here's the little details here, okay? Uh, New Testament Greek has about 5,000 words in it. When they started looking into it again, do you realize 10% of them, 10%, 500 words were words that appeared nowhere in ancient Greek whatsoever. And so they're reading these words, and they're going, what does this word mean? It's a new word. It's a new word. And then they're in this culture where this is a holy book language. And they started calling it, they started calling holy, uh, Koine Greek a Holy Ghost language. You can almost hear the voices, everybody's voice hush when they start Right? Just the way people do when they come into church and they say, this is a holy place. Now, I would tell you this, and I want to correct this, and I've said this in the past, and I want to say it now. This is a place where the sanctuaries of God come to meet together. I'm going to say that real. The sanctuaries of God, that, that's the people that have accepted Jesus into their lives. The Holy Spirit lives in them. Where's the place that the Holy Spirit lives? In the temple of God. That would make you the temple. And so little kids don't run in a temple. The temples run in a building. I need you to make sure that you hear that. And I'm not just doing that from because I like saying things that will blow you out of the water or anything. I might like that too. But here's the deal. There's two words for temple throughout the New Testament. Irenus, that's the land, the grounds, every place in it, and the naos. And Paul uses the naos as the holy of holies, the place where God dwells. And he says, don't you know that you're the temple? It's not just, it's not the parking lot. You're not the parking lot of the temple of God. You're the holy of holies. But if you go into this thing and you start running into words that you don't know, now if you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer, one of them is in it. One of them, one of those words is in the Lord's Prayer. Are you ready? Arton epiusion. We translate that as daily bread. Arton is bread. 
But epiusion is a word that they had never seen, and it sounds pretty, it sounds pretty, pretty um, fancy, doesn't it? Epiusion. I mean, that's going to be high and special, so much so that Origen, one of the church fathers, would say that is that's that's got to be super substantial for us. And that's, that was literally his translation, okay? So you can understand that if you have people saying that our super substantial, give us today our super substantial bread, pretty soon you run into transubstantiation and a whole bunch of other little um, alleyways in Christian faith that lead you down wrong ways and understanding and all this stuff because they didn't understand a word and they had to come up with a meaning. But, there, but remember that this was a Holy Ghost language and that they didn't know what these things meant and they were, they were handling very carefully and they should have, right? But, but I would tell you, do you know what happened along the line? Somebody about 200 years ago started running an archaeological dig in Egypt and they came across Archon Epiusion on a shopping list. on their shopping list, right? Fresh bread. Give us today the fresh bread. Give us, I don't want day-old bread. When I'm sending my kid to the store, don't buy the old crusty stuff, buy the new stuff. It was a daily term that in fact, right now, there are only about 50 of those 500 words that don't appear any place else. We found them in garbage dumps on simple everyday items all over the place. Instead, instead of this being a Holy Ghost language, it was the language of the common folk. But because it was viewed as the special language in a culture that only the special can do this work of God, and then only the special can read it, and only... And only, and pretty soon you have a little tiny group of people reading the Word of God, and nobody really understanding it because their cultural misinterpretations have led them down a hole that would make Alice in Wonderland seem not so good. When Jesus, and I did this for you a couple of weeks ago, when Jesus called his disciples. They were not the learned people in the thing. And he said, come follow me. And what did they hear? I believe you can do this from a rabbi. And they dropped everything to be like their rabbi, the ordinary, common folk of the, of the world. Fishermen, carpenters, hatters, casters, ordinary folk. And so Arton, Epiusion, our daily bread, reminds us that, that we aren't called to be the special, mythical, magical, heroic people that, that follow this path and nobody else can do it. We are called to be normal, everyday folk following Jesus. You see how different that is? That if only like 3% of us can do it, boy, that's a hard path and you got to do it right and you got to do everything perfect. And... But Jesus calls us in a normal language 
with and he calls normal people and says, you can do it. You can do it. Now, how can we do it? Because with God, not this is impossible, but with him, everything is possible. This is the deal. You can do it not because of who you are, but because something's been done for you. You can do this not because of all your skills, but because the skills of the living, breathing God indwell you and make you capable. Not for who you are, but for what he's done. Right? That's the new song that's out on the radio right now. Let's think about that for a second. This is, and all because of an archaeological dig in a dump we start to actually understand that the Bible was written in the everyday language, that Jesus didn't speak in a different language than the people around him. He spoke in the language everybody around him, him, him heard. And the New Testament is written in Koine Greek, not because it was the big fancy language, but because in their culture, everybody had to read Greek. You had to. You couldn't get along with the Romans and in the Greek culture unless you wrote Greek. Now, most of them spoke multiple languages, and you know yourself how hard that is unless you're raised with it. Right? So they didn't go and do that. This wasn't this thing that was so difficult, but they read Greek because they had to. When, when your kings and governors say, this is how we're writing it, and you have to read it, and ignorance of the law is no excuse, guess what? You learn how to read it. But here it is. I'm going to read it again. It's not a fancy codex. It's an everyday item. Remember, fresh bread from a shopping list. Now let's go back and read my salt and light thing so that you can know that I'm not just doing this in a strange foreign tongue like the message comes on scenes on accident. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt. A seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this world. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. You're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If, you make, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on top of a light stand now so that you're up there on a hilltop on a light stand shining. Keep your house open. Be generous with your lives. Be opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Now, I asked, I asked our, our person to be ready back here for, with a video. If she can get that ready, I just, I, I know I sprung it on her, so I'll, you understand this terminology of, I'm filling space with this right now. <laughs> I had this experience with this 
video that I showed you a couple weeks ago, the reasons people don't go to church. Now I'm going to show you it again, and we're going to unpack it again a little bit from the non-Christian viewpoint. Okay, why do we need such a video? Okay, and so she's going to show that to you, and I'm going to ask her to stop it at one spot, and then we'll just talk it through, okay? So here it is. Are you ready? Are we still going? Yeah. It's right at... I bet I bet it's I bet it's uh, muted over there. Church is filled with a bunch of hypocrites, and there's always room for one more. All they care about is your money. They care about me, not about my money. Is there some kind of dress code? Yes, the code is wear some clothes. Church, it just makes me nervous. I was nervous at first, and then I felt right at home. I'm not sure I believe everything that you believe. But you can still belong. Church is for wimpy, girly men. You want to say that again? If you knew me and what I've done, you wouldn't want me. If you knew me and what I've done, you wouldn't be worried. Can you stop it there? You so do you understand that, that non-believers wonder about these things? People that have never been to church wonder about whether they sh what what's the dress code. Do you know why? Because our culture tells them that churches, you got to have your Sunday best. You know, that's a terminology everywhere. you got to wear your best clothes and all this. Let me tell you one thing. Paul talked about dressing fancy at church once. He said, don't do it. He said, if by your finery you make others feel less able, then you're making a mistake. Okay, about this. If you knew me and what I've done, you wouldn't want me. Do you believe that people that have never been to church have felt judged in the world? By whom? Should, should we worry about whether or not people believe exactly the same things as, as each of us? Let me tell you this way. I've spoken to several of you. Your brains work really good. I guarantee you that you don't think the way I think because some things, something in me is slightly broken and off. I don't work exactly right. Those of you who spoke to me know that I think in a different pattern. Should I then make all of you try to believe the way I do? No, you know why? Because God has spoken to me in a way that matters to me and he's spoken to you in a way that matters to you and he's reached each of us and don't you think he can keep doing it? Or is 45 or 50 ways all he can handle? There's billions of people. There's a song out right now that says, God has millions and millions of doors, billions and billions of doors for his love to pass through. You're one of them. Custom, specific, born for a special way, born for a task. There's another thing non-believers don't do. Okay, are you ready for this? They don't say, well, 
that person over there that just did that thing to me, you know, cut me off in traffic or something like that. They only go to church every so often. That's not really what Christians do. You know what they do? Christians believe it's okay to cut people off in traffic because of the little fish on the back of the car. I'm not against putting a little fish on the back of your car. What I'm here to tell you is, is that you are a city on a hill, period. It is not a designation about whether or not you do it well. You're visible. You're a Christian. God put you there, and he didn't hide you with a bucket. Sometimes we'd like to crawl under a bucket, but that's not what he did. You're a city on a hill, and non-believers, people that don't know Christ, don't think for a moment. They don't draw lines and say, well, that person only goes to church on Christmas and Easter, and this person over here is the pastor of a church, so we should believe the pastor of the church because they're there all the time. They say, Christians. Christians believe this. And so let me ask you this question. This is a really important question. You've been asked it several times in your life. Are you ready? You don't look ready. Are you ready? Oh, Linda's ready. Are you ready? Here we go. What's more believable, what you say or what you do? Unless what? Unless they match. Then all the bells and whistles go off, don't they? When you meet somebody who, who does what they say and says what they do, you would say what? That they have integrity or they're sincere. I sort of love language and things like that. I know it doesn't seem like I love it so much, and, and I haven't loved it enough to learn how to punctuate in it but I love to speak in languages, so that's pretty cool. But sincere, do you know what sincere actually comes from? It's a pottery term meaning holds water. It's a pot that hasn't been cracked and mended so that you can't tell, so when you go and buy a sincere pot, it holds water. But if you buy one that doesn't hold water, it's not a sincere pot. It's not a good pot. And so we pull these things in from other languages and they start to mean sort of things. So what you do in Christ when you show actual love and care and then your words match, you're a witness of Christ. If I be lifted up, I will draw everyone unto myself. Becomes a sincere witness for Christ. Just a personal note, I talked with my daughter about this that she knows I'm sharing it open. I'm not just sharing this out of the and she's talking with a young man, and she's talked to several people about their faith. And he, I called there, and he goes, well, you're a pastor. I've got questions. And he started talking to me. And so this is a young man I don't know very well. We spent an hour on the phone answering his questions. And Mar Marika, my daughter, says, sometimes I feel like I didn't do it right if everybody I talk to ends up with you. <laughs> and my response is entirely different than that. Okay, are you ready? They trusted her enough to ask me a question. How many of you would walk into a pastor's office that you didn't know and just start asking questions about faith and something you didn't understand? Now, you might come in and ask questions about things you think you understand. But what about if you were sincerely confused and wanted an answer and didn't know who to trust 
when you ran into a pastor, would you stop him in the grocery store and have an hour-long conversation? Some of you would never have an hour-long conversation in a grocery store. No, I get that. I would. But that's because I'm outgoing. But this is this line in this text that Peterson brings out. Be opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God. I find my daughter utterly trustworthy in the eyes of her friends because they come and they ask the weird adult person questions. You understand the definition of weird, adult, uncool to a 20-year-old, to a right? Over 24. Once you're over 24, you're not cool, you're weird, and all these things. So if they start asking you questions, it's because they've trusted the witness of somebody else enough to trust you. They've went to trust to you. Now, may you be trustworthy enough that they would lend trust to God who they don't know. Can we start being the change that we're talking about? Can we be the Christianity that people need? That we talk about when we speak grace, can we live lives of grace? Can we be everyday believers without a mystical, mythical, heroic path that only a few can walk? Because God's made them special. God's made you special. In the announcements this morning, there was a chance to hand out water bottles at the prayer booth. How many of you have done something more difficult than that in your life? I have a couple of people. You've done something more difficult than handing out a water bottle at a prayer booth. Congratulations. You're now qualified. You can do it, right? So, but here's the deal. How many of you have trusted Jesus with your life? You can do it. And I know that sometimes it's hard to believe that humans can do this thing. But maybe it's not necessarily just our faith in Christ that makes us able. Maybe Christ's faith in us can lend it little help to the process. May you be the change that we're talking about. May you be our time at the Eucion, daily bread, fresh bread, not day-old bread. We don't want the crusty stuff. We just want bread. And so this is what we do. We live our lives, not as specialists, but as people walking the path together. Would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for your love, the way you take care of us, the way you bring us into your life, and then let us walk in it. Help us know that we are God's workmanship, that we're your created us, you created us for good works that we would walk in. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Now before we